Ah, but before we get into the message, uh, the women's conference is coming up, and there are brochures in the foyer, in the coffee bar there, so take some of those with you, if you will. And uh, there's also a sign-up sheet for food, uh, and they will appreciate that. The first date is what, Sister Virginia? The 24th of this month. So it would be two weeks from Friday. Wow. It's coming fast. So, And would encourage you also to be in prayer for the conference as well between now and then. And yes, men are invited in the evening services. Uh, if you'd like to be involved, uh, men, to come to the daytime services, you might... Uh, run a camera or run some equipment or do anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's going. these speakers that are lined up are good, good speakers, and God is going to minister through them the Word and bring hope and, and truth and strength. Amen. To start off with tonight, I'm going to turn to two particular passages in the book of Philippians. Chapter 3, verse 1. And just as by way of a little background, the church at Phili of the Philippians was at the city of Philippi. You remember from studying that in the book of Acts, that that's where Paul and Silas were thrown into jail unjustly and beaten, and God delivered them with an earthquake, and the jailer got saved, and... Uh, so started the work of the Lord there in that city, uh, along with the women that had already been gathering with Paul down by the river to pray. So there was a great work started, but there was opposition. Anytime you do something for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. You can count on it. And the other thing that you need to know about that is, if there's opposition... You must be on the right track. <laughs> you must be doing something right. And so when we enter into the walk of the Lord, you know, sometimes there are difficulties. And Paul and Silas found that out to be true. And so Paul, when writing back to the Philippians, writes this. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. He said, I, I don't tire of saying this to you, that you are to rejoice in the Lord. And it, it is safe for you to remember that. You know, as Christians, you know, and I've been, I've been a Christian for, for 52 years, 55 years now. Brother Dave has been a Christian for probably 60 years, hasn't he? Or more. But... And some, I don't know how long Brother Sherman's been a Christian. <laughs> it's been a while. But, but you know, no matter how long we have been a Christian, we have to remind ourselves that there are certain things that we need to do. And one of them is to rejoice in the Lord. Now, you and I have both heard people say, well, we rejoice in, in our circumstances. And that gets confusing. That gets all muddy. Because we are to rejoice in the middle of our circumstances. 
but we don't rejoice for our circumstances. Hello? <laughs> we, we don't rejoice for them. We say, praise the Lord, because we rejoice in the Lord. And that's what this passage said. Rejoice in the Lord. So whether things are going well for you, whether they're going bad for you, or whether you're just kind of on a floating even keel right now and it's not either good or bad, the point is all of us can rejoice in the Lord. An amazing thing I read about Smith Wigglesworth was that he would had a, he had a habit, and I can't keep up with that. I don't know what I'm going to have to do to do it, but uh, maybe just a little bit too old to start. Maybe Caleb and Cherish, being younger, they can start this habit. Every 15 minutes, he would stop whatever he was doing and praise the Lord or pray or sing a scripture, say a scripture or, or you know, something about the Lord. Wow! What was he doing? He was practicing the presence of the Lord so that when bad things came around, then he would not give in to them. And when trouble came around, he would not give in to it. He stood firm in his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we got to do. Uh, it's said that uh, Lester Sumrall went to see him. You know, you guys have heard of Lester Sumrall. He's a great man of God. He went to England and and he just went to pick up a newspaper because he was going to read that. And he went up to Smith Wigglesworth's house and he said, I'm here to see Smith Wigglesworth. Is he here? He said, yes, he is. And you can come in, but you've got to leave that rag, that lying rag out here. <laughs> he was talking about the newspaper that he had under his arm. And, you know, what do we allow to come in and affect our attitudes? I'm talking about kingdom attitudes tonight. And one of the attitudes we need is an attitude of rejoicing in the Lord. In spite of whatever happens, to rejoice in the Lord our God and to know that He's in control. And you know what? When we get up in the morning, we might be blindsided by something. But you know what? The Lord is never blindsided by anything. The Lord never says, oh, didn't see that coming. <laughs> he never says that. He always knows in advance what is going to happen. And he, it, the, the scripture says this. It says, the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. Wow. So sometimes he leads us into situations or through situations to test us or to allow us to get a closer walk with him. Right? And sometimes we just are so uh, beside ourselves with what happens in our lives. And what we need to do with what happens in our lives is at that moment to say, stop. Where is all this coming from? And what am I supposed to do with it? And wait a minute. Why don't I, instead of getting down about it or getting fearful about it or worrying about it, why don't I just praise the Lord? Why don't I rejoice in the Lord? Amen.
Paul mentions this phrase again in chapter 4. Here's what he says in chapter 4, verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Rejoice. And we used to sing that little chorus, you know, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, Rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, 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 and again I say rejoice. And we sing it in a round. One part would sing one part of the chorus and the other part would sing the other one. That is great. But again, it's a good reminder that we are to rejoice and not be down in the mouth, not be in the mully grubs, not be discontent but to be rejoicing in the Lord. To say, whatever happens, whatever comes my way, I am going to look to my Lord and my God, and I'm going to say, praise the Lord anyway. Amen. And you know what happens? There's, a, there's something that happens inside of us. And it's a change that happens inside of us when we begin to praise the Lord. We begin to look at our perspective changes. You know, I've often said, too, that we are linear people, you know? What I mean by that is we see things on a timeline. We start here, we're born, we go to school, we graduate, we get married, we have kids, we have grandkids. And this is a timeline of our life. But you know how God sees things? He sees things this way. He sees things from beginning to the end. He sees it as if it all happened in a moment. Wow. So, you know, it's great. When we look to the Lord, because He knows the beginning from the end, and we rejoice in Him. Uh, St. Augustine, I found this quote from him about rejoicing. He said this, Rejoice, O ye righteous, not in yourselves, for that is not safe, (laughs) but in the Lord. So, you know, I mean, we can rejoice in ourselves and pat ourselves on the back. Oh, yeah, I got that good grade, or I got that raise. But, you know, St. Augustine saying, don't rejoice in that. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. And, you know, we have to remind ourselves of this. As, as Christians, we can almost be lulled to sleep by our everyday activities. You know, I, I planted a garden, so I've got... Got to tend the garden. I've got to mow the lawn. I've got to go to the grocery store. I've got to go to church. I got to do this. Got to read my Bible. I'm in a pattern. I've got all these things laid out. This is what I do when I do it, and all of this. I can almost get into a lull and be lulled to sleep and not be awake to what the Lord is doing. And that's why I love that first song that we sang tonight, too. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. So as I, as I mow or garden, one of the things I like to do is to say, thank you, Lord, for the trees. 
Thank you, Lord, that that plant is growing. Thank you, Lord, that 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 flower is beautiful. Look what you've given to us. Lord, thank you for that. So being thankful is a part of rejoicing. Amen. You remember Eeyore? And, you know, Winnie the Pooh? Eeyore is a character that we should not emulate. You know that? Because Eeyore, someone said something about his tail. You've got a tail, and that's a mighty fine-looking tail that you have there. And his response was, well, I got a tail. It must be something like that. Oh, well. Almost like, woe is me. Woe is me. You know, and and the author of those books, I believe, was a Christian person, too. And they were kind of illustrating, you know, how we should not be as believers. We should not be giving off that kind of vibe to people like we're just all down in the dumps all the time. We should rejoice. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Now, the Apostle Paul told us directly that he grew up in Jerusalem at the feet of Gamaliel and that he was a teacher of the law. He was a Pharisee. He, was, he knew the Old Testament, and he was a teacher of the Old Testament. So it's no surprise then that he would write this to the Philippian church, Rejoice in the Lord. Now, I've got this book in my library. It's called A Concordance of Phrases. Now, it goes from the English, mind you. But in the English, I looked up the phrase, Rejoice in the Lord. And I looked it up, and I've came up, come up with some verses in the Old Testament that talk about rejoicing in the Lord. And I, and I want us to look at them. Chapter 33 of Psalm, verse 1. David wrote this, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for praise from the upright is beautiful. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. And the word that he's using there for rejoice is Ranan, the Hebrew word Ranan. And it means to shout, to cry, to sing, to triumph. We can do all of those things, can't we? Well, triumph, I don't know so much we can do that. Yeah, you can. You can walk in the triumph and in the victory of Jesus Christ, in his victory over the enemy. And then in Psalm 97, the psalmist says this again. I didn't tab my Bible, so you have to be patient with me a little bit tonight. Okay, Psalm 97, verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name. Wow. Give thanks unto the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And the word there is salmak, which means to be glad, to make merry. Be glad to make merry. Rejoice. When people see you, you know, 
there was an usher in a church that always got hugs from people as they would meet them coming into the church. And one of the other ushers never did get a hug. And he, so he went to this usher and he said to him, why is it that you always get hugs and I never get any hugs when I'm greeting people? And he says, well, show me how you greet people. And he says, I do this. I reach out my hand and I give them a good hearty handshake. And he says, okay, so watch me. So somebody come in and he says, how are you today, my brother? What's the natural response going to be when we do that? Somebody's going to hug somebody, right? Amen. And that's all right. A, a godly hug is good, you know, and it's, it's something that we should do. Now, nothing wrong with shaking hands. But you see what I'm talking about, that giving a hug. Sometimes, sometimes people need a hug of encouragement in their life. Now, David wrote both those, didn't he? So let's look at the life of David. Oh, yeah, he just had a bed of roses, didn't he? Right? Oh, no? No, okay. Yeah, so look at his life. He First thing we see, he's uh, called to go and play the harp for a demented king. And he gets a spear thrown at him and, and all that, you know, threatened with his life. Then we see him out uh, facing Goliath. Wow. And then, then he's on the run from the king for Ten years on the run, not having a home to live in, living in the caves, in the rocks, and got 400 men and their families all with him. Wow, you know, what a wonderful life, right? And then he becomes king. Everything's going to be great then, right? No, he's king for seven years only in Judah. And then the rest of the country accepts him. For 33 years. But in the middle of that time, his own son rebels against him. I mean, what have you gone through? What have I gone through? We've gone through disappointments. We've gone through places where we've been uh, fired or we've been laid off. Or maybe you've gone through a divorce or a separation. You know, all of those things. Wow. David went through very similar things. But what did he say? Rejoice in the Lord. I like what it says about David in uh, the book of 1 Kings where it says they, they burned Ziklag. I think, no, no, 1 Samuel, excuse me. The end of 1 Samuel. They burned Ziklag. And so all of his men, Ziklag was where they had let their families be. Uh, while they went up to fight in a war. And when they came back, the Amalekites had burned the city. And all of the men were talking about stoning David. And that'd be a wonderful thing. And what is this saying? David strengthened himself in God. David strengthened himself in God. He rejoiced in the Lord. And then they went and they got all their family back. Recovered all the, the loot that had been taken and all every person that had been taken. They got those back because they rejoiced in the Lord. Oh, which reminds me, a lot of times you see the battles, the people go out in the battle. What does the Lord say? Send Judah first. What does Judah mean? Praise. Praise. 
Praise the Lord in the midst of the circumstances. Praise His name. He's worthy to be praised. This last psalm we read says, Give thanks at the remembrance of His holy name, Yahweh, Jehovah, the great I Am, the one is self-existent that requires nothing else, that was there before the world was created, that has no creator himself. He always has been, always will be. I don't understand it, but that's what makes him God and me not. But I rejoice in him, in my God, because he's got this. Whatever you're going through, plug it in there. and You can say, I rejoice in my God because he's got this. <laughs> Woo! We can have a party which I think that's what that second word, Salmach, was talking about. Having a party because we're rejoicing in the middle of our enemies. Just like David said in Psalm 23, he spreads a table in the presence of mine enemies because why? We're rejoicing in God. That God is in control. And there's nothing that the enemy can throw into it to us that God's not a match for. He's able to take care of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you can get a little excited. It's okay. All right, let's go to Isaiah chapter 41. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 15. Like I say, I didn't have my Bible, so you've got to bear with me. I had to turn another page. 41, 16, yes, 16. Now let's give a little background. Isaiah prophesied during the reign of King Uzziah, King Hezekiah, King Jotham, right? So some of those names we're familiar with. What happened in Hezekiah's reign? Isaiah was there right in the middle, and the Assyrians came. Right? And that's when 185,000 Assyrians died out there because God took care of them. But Isaiah was right in the middle of that. And he was in the middle of people that didn't always believe God, even though they served God. In fact, the king was supposed to keep a copy of the law with him at all times so he could read it. But from king to king, sometimes the urn got moved that the law was in. <laughs> and so they didn't keep the law, all, reading the law all the time. And then when they found it, there was revival. But Isaiah was in the middle of that. And sometimes the people had idols that they were worshiping right there along with God. And, and just like America today, right? When we see our country and what it's going through. But that's what Isaiah was going through. And here's what he says in this passage. He says, You shall winnow them, talking about God and talking about the enemies, what he's going to do to the enemies. You shall winnow them, the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them. You shall rejoice in the Lord and glory in the Holy One of Israel. You have enemies that are attacking you. You have situations that you seem or think are impossible, God is going to take them and just winnow them and blow them away like chaff. 
Hallelujah. Do you think that this new world government is going to be the way it's going to be? Thank you. Someone said no. And we know that because the Word says so. The Word says we've read the end of the book, and the end of the book says that Jesus is coming back, and He's going to set up His eternal kingdom on this earth. Amen. So when we look at governments and we look at people that come against us, like this passage is talking about, hey, God's going to blow them away. So what should our response be in the interim? Praise the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Here's what that word means. The word is the Hebrew word deal. Now I've got to stand up. Because this word means to be joyful and to spin around. And I'm not going to do that too much. I used to do that in church services. We'd have uh, worshiping and rejoicing, and I'd be spinning around. I can't do that anymore. But that's what that word means, to spin around and be joyful in the Lord because we know what the end is. We know how God is going to take care of this world. And we know that we're going to be saved and delivered and into eternity but the thing that burdens us, of course, is our loved ones and those that need to know the Lord. And we should remember them and be burdened about them. But don't be downhearted. Don't be downhearted. Rejoice in the Lord your God. Continuing on in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 10. Isaiah says this, I will greatly Rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. I like this particular passage because it doesn't just say, we're going to be the bridegroom, Brother Sherman, or the bride, I mean. It says it talks about bridegroom being adorned too. I like that a little better, don't you? Anyway, but we are going to be adorned when we get to heaven. We're going to be wonderfully dressed with the robe of righteousness that Jesus Christ gives to us. And just as a bridegroom is dressed out, just as a bride is decked out, we will be decked out in the kingdom of God. We can be joyful in the Lord. We can know that this world is not the end. We are headed to a better place. Amen. And we can rejoice in that. Now, the word that he's using here for rejoice is the word sous. S-O-O-S is how it's transliterated. Sous. But it means to be bright, to be cheerful, to rejoice. Someone asks you doing, how, ask how you're doing. What do you say to them? If you say under the circumstances, how dare you and shame on you? Because Christians are not supposed to live under the circumstances. <laughs> you ever thought about that? We're not supposed to live under the circumstances. We're supposed to live above the circumstances. Didn't Paul write also? He said, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
if we're seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, then we are above the trials and the troubles that we are going through right now. We can rejoice in our God because He's got it all under control. Amen. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I will greatly rejoice. You ever go to a ball game or to a concert? And what do you do when you're at that ball game or concert? I remember when I was in <coughs> high school, and this may be what is happening to me right now. When I was in high school and college, I would yell so loud at the games that I would almost lose my voice. I would be hoarse that night and the next day because I was yelling like a fool for a basketball or a soccer or a football team. Why can't we do the same for Jesus Christ? Isn't He greater than any football team? Oh, and I, I like the Cardinals, but you know what? I'm, I get disappointed with them sometimes because they're only human beings. But you know what? I never get disappointed with Jesus. He's never failed me. Never failed me. Has He failed you? I bet He hasn't. Never failed me yet. Never failed me yet. Jesus' love has never failed me yet. And wherever I go, while I'm here below, Jesus' love has never failed me yet. Come on, that's not older than some of you guys, is it? How many knew that one? <laughs> no? <laughs> oh, wow. All right. But that's a true song, isn't it, though? That His love has never failed us. We can rejoice in His love. We can rejoice. Now, going on to look up Rejoice in the Lord, the book of Joel, chapter 2. And we remember this because the book of Joel Chapter 2 talks about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And that's a, that's a great scripture for us, you know, because it's quoted in the book of Acts, chapter 2. But before that, he says this in verse 23. And, you know, Joel was, was a prophet that, much like Isaiah, went through some difficult times and the people weren't always listening to him. In fact, a lot of these prophets, they wanted to kill. But here's what Joel says. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For He has given you the former rain faithfully, and He will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> He's saying God is faithful. God is faithful. And we can count on the faithfulness of God. Amen. So when we get our garden in, if you I hope you got your garden in already because it's middle of June here, better have your garden in. Then we can say, Lord, I will water it, but Lord, when you water it, it's so much better because you put vitamin, extra vitamins in with it. And Lord, I praise you for the rain. You are faithful to give the rain. And then 
in our spiritual lives, we say, Lord, thank you for the rain that you gave to my thirsty soul. Thank you, Lord, that you saved me. And what a joy you put in my heart when you saved me. You lifted that burden of sin. And Lord, thank you that you filled me with your Holy Spirit. And what a further joy that you gave me. And then thank you, Lord, that you gave me even greater joy as I walk day by day in you. Praise the Lord. And that word he used there for, for rejoice is the same word we used a while ago, samach, up in the book of Psalms. <coughs> you know, when David was talking about be glad and be merry. It's okay to rejoice in the Lord. It's okay to put a smile on your face and let people know what's going on. Amen? So that when people look at you, they can say, I know that that person's got a lot going on in their life. Why are they smiling and why are they happy? There must be some change. There must be something that they have that I don't have. I want it. <laughs> so that's what we are to make people hungry for the Lord. Amen. Habakkuk. <coughs> Habakkuk, we don't preach too much from Habakkuk, but, but there it is. It's part of the Word of God. In chapter 3, verse 18. Habakkuk, most of his book is talking about how he's saying, Lord, why are the Babylonians attacking us and overcoming everything? You know, this, Lord, help us, Lord. And so he's a prophet that's crying out to God for the country of Israel, but he's in a dire situation. But what does God say? Through him, he says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Things look impossible. Things look bleak. The economy looks dark. The enemy is attacking. I don't know what tomorrow may bring. I rejoice in the Lord my God. Hallelujah. And the word he uses there is the word Allahs. Allahs. You can say that. Halas. Come on, say it. Halas. It means this. To jump for joy. I'm not going to jump. I'm going to I'll do this. I'm not going to jump up and down. I, I might hurt myself. <laughs> but to jump up and down for joy, to rejoice, and to triumph in God. You see, one of the things I, I, I hope that you're getting tonight is that there, there are two words that we use in the English language that are not synonymous. One is joy, that we've been talking about. The other one is happiness. Happiness is not joy. Happiness is based on happenings. You know, I was happy when I graduated from high school. I was happy when I got to fly on an airplane to Jefferson City because I was a newspaper boy. I was happy when I graduated college. I was happy when I got married. I was, and so on and so forth. I was happy when my children were born. So on and so forth. Those are based on happenings. But joy is based on our relationship with the Lord. It's based on deeper things, you see. Because even though things on the outside may not look great, 
we rejoice and we have joy in the Lord because we know that He's in control of every situation. He's got this. Whatever's going you're going through, He's got this. Whatever you're facing tomorrow or next week, He's got this. Amen. Praise the Lord. Zechariah chapter 10, verse 7. The people had come back to Israel. They had started building the temple, and then they got pressure from the others, from the other nations around them. And so they stopped building the temple. And Zechariah and Haggai were two prophets there that started prophesying about the, to the people about rebuilding the temple. Get back to the works. Get back. Don't listen to the enemy and what they're trying to do. Get back to the work of rebuilding the temple. And so the people did. But here's what Zechariah says. Those of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their hearts shall rejoice as if with wine. Yet their children shall see it and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. Now, why is that significant? Because Ephraim, if you remember them in Scripture, they're the ones that are always spoiling for a fight. They're the ones when somebody else fights an enemy, they come along late and they say, why didn't you call us? We want to fight too. And then they go and fight somebody else of their own people, you know, and cause trouble. You know, this is Ephraim. But Zechariah is saying here, they're not going to rejoice in their own strength. They're going to rejoice in the strength of the Lord. They're going to rejoice in the Lord. And their children are going to see it and be glad. Your children need to see you rejoicing in the Lord. And that word for rejoicing there is the same word that we used before. It's gil. Gil. And it means to spin around and be joyful. Go crazy, folks. Just like, who was that? Jack Buck used to say that. Go crazy, folks, when somebody hit a home run. Go crazy, folks. Well, Christians, go crazy. Amen. And it's okay. It's okay to be radical for Jesus. So, my second point, now that I've given you all those verses, my second point, I've already said it, but here it goes again up on the board. Joy is not based on circumstances like happiness. Joy is not based on circumstances. Whatever you're going through, there's the operative word. Did you hear it? Whatever you're going through, you're going through it. Don't stop in the middle. Don't make a camp there. Go through it. Go through it. And then the third statement I want to make is, our situation may be bleak. I mean, we've got to face facts. Facts are facts. Our situation may be bleak in the natural. What our eyes can see. What other people can see around us. But listen to the next statement. Number four, our joy is in the Lord. And when we go through something, we focus on Him. And we say, Lord, You are our rock, You are our strength, You are our help. We look to You. 
for you are the one who is able to help us to get through this. Amen. And He will. He's promised us in His Word. Now, do you think that early believers had an easy life? No, they didn't. If You can read it in a little bit of it in the Scriptures, or you can turn to Fox's Book of Martyrs, and you can read a little bit more. And it's pretty, pretty drastic what happened to the early believers. We have it easy, is what I'm trying to say, in America. But we need to encourage ourselves in God and rejoice in the Lord and pray for our brothers and sisters overseas that are going through difficulties. For instance, in the continent of Africa and in the country of India and in Malaysia. We could go on and name all the continents or countries of the world. People are going through difficulties. We we should pray for them. Yes. And believe God for what He's going to do, how He's going to deliver them. But not take for granted what we have here in this country. And rejoice in the Lord our God. Rejoice in the Lord. I think it was my dad that said it, or somebody else maybe said this. If you're rejoicing in the Lord, and you're a, say you're a believer, then let your face know it. <laughs> so... You know, there you have. That's, that's, that's just a good word, isn't it? To let our faces know and show the glory of the Lord to other people. I want to go to verse 5. I am not probably won't finish all that I have here tonight, but I want to go, go to verse 5, though, because it ties right in with this. Did you know that, that rejoicing comes from joy, and joy is a fruit of the Spirit? You don't just get joy automatically when you become a Christian. You get joy by digging down deep and and growing in Christ. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, temperance, and faith. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. And again, they're growth. God just don't automatically go, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give it to you. No. Yeah, you have to grow to get it. You know, and, and sometimes we go through difficulties, but our, we get that joy, remember, by focusing on the fact that the Lord is in control of the situation. Let's read verse 5, back into our text in Philippians 4. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And the word for gentleness there is the word that means that we're not trying to get revenge. We're not trying to get even on somebody. Yeah, ouch, yeah. And, you know, there's a, there, that's a spirit. Did you realize that? And, and that's a, let me even go so far as to say this. It is a generational spirit. I've seen it in families where, a mother or father have been unforgiving of someone. And they would say, I will not forgive that person. And it translates to the children where they develop that attitude 
where they will not forgive anyone either. As we rejoice in the Lord and we have joy in our walk with Him, there's also that release that comes with other people. Hebrews wrote this about Jesus in chapter 12. It says this, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. <laughs> Doesn't sound right. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He didn't look at the cross and say there is joy in it. I believe that he looked at the cross and he saw what was going to be accomplished and he looked down through time to June the 8th 2022 and he saw a group of believers gathered together talking about what he had done for them and he said oh that gives me such joy yes I will go to the cross for them and what happened what was one of the things that he said from the cross he said father forgive them for they know not what they do I mean Jesus is our supreme example, right? And if we call ourselves Christians, which I think we do, then we are supposed to be Christ-like. So then if we are to be Christ-like, then we are to forgive those who hammer nails into our wrists and our feet. We are to forgive those that spit in our face. We are to forgive those that put crowns of thorns in our head. You might have to ponder all of that a little bit. But you know what? Forgiveness, you know, C.S. Lewis says, forgiveness is a wonderful thing when I'm the one that needs to be forgiven. <laughs> it's a little more difficult when I have to be the one forgiving. So, forgiveness is such an outworking of joy. And we have the joy of the Lord. We don't seek to hold any angst or anything against another person, especially another believer. But we allow that gentleness of Christ to come forth through us. Who when he was despised, Peter wrote in his epistle, he did not answer back. You know, when he was assaulted, he didn't respond. You know, he took it. You know, those are things to ponder and to think about. Lord, how would you have me to do this? Okay, to work out our own salvation. The next part of that verse says this. The Lord is at hand. It's In one of the epistles of Paul, he uses the word for that. And it's Maranatha. It's a word that, that they would tell one another. As Christians, you know, they would they would have to be secretive at times because of any open display might, you know, turn against them as far as people attacking them or sending them to the cross. And so they would say, Maranatha, which means the Lord is at hand. Which to them meant this. Not that the Lord is here in our situation, although you can take it to mean that if you want. But it means this, 
that the Lord Jesus Christ is near at hand in his coming. There's one thing that marks revival throughout the centuries. And it is an awareness of the coming of the presence of Christ. It's an expectancy of the coming of Jesus, of his soon return, that sparks revival in a nation. And I, I think that we all need to keep that in our hearts and our minds to where we are thinking, Lord, come quickly. Lord, even so, come quickly, but help us to be ready and help us to have up others to get ready for your coming. And Lord, be with us day by day that we would be witnesses of the glory of Jesus Christ, witnesses of the joy, witnesses of the gentleness of Christ, witnesses of the meekness of Christ, the life of Christ going through us and using us to minister hope unto a hurt and dying world. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me right now? I said I was going to stop right there, so I'm, I'm going to hold to my, myself to that. And we'll pick up right there. I'm going to speak next, next week. We'll pick up right there when, when we come back next week, if that's what the Lord permits. <laughs>